everyone! So before we go into this great episode of That's Not Quite All Folks, and it is a really damn good episode. You're gonna love it. Uh, we first want to take a second to promote an exclusive promotion we are running on the That's Not Quite All Folks Patreon this month for the entire month of December. So as you may have been aware, throughout this entire year of 2023, we've had the That's Not Quite All Folks Patreon. And for the month of December, we are putting everything, everything, Everything. That we've released onto the That's Not Cut Off Folks Patreon up and available for one dollar. Just a dollar. So if you give one dollar to That's Not Cut Off Folks Patreon, you get access to a lot of things that you main feed folk have never heard. Yeah. Like lots of commentaries, lots of discussion shows, lots of random bits of this podcast, lots of random bits of content. There's a lot of stuff that I think that we've been doing on the Patreon that I wish more people on our main feed had heard, and for the, the low, low price of a dollar, you can get there. And hopefully it'll give, give you some incentive to stay on there for the following year when we have other things we want to do with the Patreon. Yes, uh, also some, some other exciting uh, perks that you'll get for, for joining the Patreon this month is you get access to, again, like I said, Jordan, to at least, like, 11 exclusive commentaries, including Space Jam. There's also The Three Caballeros, which is a movie that Jordan's obsessed with that I eventually grew to love. <laughs> <laughs> obsessed is a strong word, but yeah. And also just other random bits of things that actually we got a lot out of, like like the Jetsons movie and Mouse Hunt and lots of things like that. So enjoy some of those if you like our commentaries on the main feed and plenty of other fun stuff waiting for you at just the, the price of $8. So yeah, look for that on Patreon. A full recording session with Bob Bergen's on there. You yes. Just, you can watch us in real time lose our shit. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> yes, and you can go to www.patreon.com slash tnqaf to sign up and find out more about that. And now, on with the show. Well, stupid, are you ready? Okay, Smokey, roll them. <laughs> That's silly. Shoot him now! Shoot him now! Hello, everyone, and welcome to. Oh, give me one second. Ah, it's much better. Hello, everyone, and welcome to That's Not Quite All Folks, the Looney Tunes podcast. I'm your tropically relaxed host, Mark Yellow. Goodbye. Yeah, way to rub it in. You know, you've been back from vacation for, I don't know, a couple of days, and I, I, I feel like you're still trying to, you know, do the whole, hey, I was out on a cruise in the Bahamas kind of thing, I'm better than everybody kind of deal. I don't know, I don't know what's giving me that idea, but like, you, are you are you back back yet, or are you still on, on island time? Oh, every time is island time for me. Wow, okay. <laughs> All right, well, to, to ease you back in, how about we, because um, I, I picked something, because, like, you know, it, it, there, even if you've been relaxing for a little bit, you know, chillaxing by the pool or whatever, I've still got some high-intensity stuff for you today. How about some, like, 
oh my God, gag work and references that'll make your head flip on its side. Let's go back to some Sylvester and Tweety fucking mysteries. Oh. How's that? I I would love that. I I remember having an all right time watching Fun Tweety Mysteries that we did during our TV um, show extravaganza. Yeah, but like, you know, that's at least like most shows that we do and you need to do like, okay, do one from the early part of it, one from the end part of it. And what we figured out with Sylvester and Twitty Mysteries is season one is the good shit. Yeah. And there are some, I mean, there was, a, there was one we had some trouble with last time that was um, a season two episode or a season three episode, later one where they were like, you know, two episodes apart. But when you can actually have time to flesh out the episodes and do 20 minute mysteries, actually, oh, that is the good stuff. And we have some good stuff for you today. Ah, <laughs> uh, Yes. So the episodes that we are covering this week are The Maltese Canary, followed by It Happened One Night Before Christmas. Right. And we have, I mean, we, these just ended up being not only season one episodes, but consecutive season one episodes. Mm -hmm. But And we had some, some reasons to do it. One of these were because um, we heard um, either a commentary track or something from writers saying this was one of the most, like, harebrained schemes we ever came up with and another one is for purely sen uh, selfish reasons and uh, I think that one's yours Mark so uh, put down your fucking daiquiri and uh, get into this one <coughs> alright ah, back to business so the first yep. episode we are covering here is the Maltese Canary it came out on uh, oh <laughs> ah, well, well, you know. This episode came out on November 25th, 1995. Um, look, folks. Yeah. What happened on that day, I'm going to be really honest with you, folks. Um, the second that, um, Termite Terrence Club over on Twitter, because he would, you know, they would tweet out, like, oh, on this day, here's a game on this. And on November 25th, they posted, yeah. oh, on this day, the Maltese Canary episode of Certain Tweety Mysteries came out on November 25th, 1995. And I went, oh, shit. And I immediately ran to the dock and put this in because on November 25th, 1995, <laughs> Looney Tunes podcast creator, See, host, yeah. editor, producer, all-around nice guy, uh, uh, that's not quite all folks, on Looney Tunes <laughs> podcast, Mark Hallam was born on this day. Yeah. And Jordan wasn't. <laughs> I was not and what's very funny and this is absolutely true about us is that if the Maltese Canary had aired just one day later if it had just legged it out until Sunday like I had <laughs> then it would have uh, it would have been broadcast on the day that I uh, famous podcaster Jordan Schmidt was brought into the world so um, it's it, it's the weirdest thing that like that, that you know we we We've talked about this at once uh, before on, on collabs and things, but like we were born literally on consecutive days, you know, Mark and I, and literally <laughs> it just worked out like that. And so I'm glad you're able to find something that was yeah. on your exact day uh, in 95 because there, there aren't a lot of things like that for me because it was a Sunday and things don't usually happen on Sundays, but you, you got a special Saturday night and, you know, Thanksgiving, it just happened. Everybody was sitting yeah. down and watching the big ticket event, which was, of course, Sylvester and Tweety Mysteries, and not, like, a, a Bulls game or something. Oh. 
But also on that day, because uh, other shit yeah. happened. What else happened um, on that day? Patty Lupone on Broadway closed at Walter Keir, New York City, after 46 performances. So she was doing a one-woman show? I believe so, yes. Yeah, she was like, okay, November 25th. I'm out of here. I gotta go do more important yeah, things. Yeah, I, I don't want to still be doing this when fucking Jordan's alive. <laughs> Fuck him. Which means, and this is gonna go out in like May or uh, May, and so people will get this by now. But oh no, Patty Lapone is guilting me. You know, <laughs> if only A24 would do a, a movie like that. <laughs> oh man, a movie that I have no interest in going to see at all. None. And I'm not being sarcastic. I don't want to see that shit at all. It's probably good, but not my kind of movie. Um, no. So, yeah. This episode was directed by James T. Walker, written by Alice Marie Shoot. Which, which, no, not like, if I was wearing glasses, I could have sworn it was Schmidt. <laughs> there is a Schmidt lurking around these and we'll get to that yeah. but um but not a real one though no. um but yeah no <laughs> they, they had a lot of the yeah. same writers for these and so um so yeah um i'll i'll ask you this now because we're we're, we're recording this is called the maltese canary have you ever seen the maltese falcon no because i have Explain, explain the maltese, Fal- the maltese falcon to well it's a very good film noir film um and it's it's I've seen it. I saw it in in high school uh, in, in my film appreciation class, and it's a very good one as far as the you know the Brando no not Brando uh, as far as the um, Bogart and Peter Lurie and Sydney Greenstreet Sydney Greenstreet sort of noir films go. It's a very good one, and there's a lot of little touches that make it one of the best ones. And it's nothing more than just a. a, a, a you know, just a, a nice little pulpy detective story, but there's lots of little lines and touches that make it like really memorable. And I would recommend it to anybody who hasn't seen it. But there are bits and pieces of the movie that would help if you've seen. There are bits and pieces of this episode that would help if you've seen the movie. Not like anything, uh, Mark. I don't think there's a ton you missed. Not really, no. Maybe one or two impressions, but um, but yeah. That's the Bogart movie you got in your high school film appreciation class. Uh, the one I got in my film appreciation class was the African Queen. Oh, that's a good one. That's a very good one. But um, but yeah, now Bogart's awesome. But yeah, uh, it, it helps to know that going into the Maltese Canary because they love film noir films. And that's um, pretty much all the all the notes section I have. It's just it's based on the Maltese Canary. There's a lot of parodies from the Maltese Canary, from the Maltese Falcon, but they're not all impressions from the Maltese Falcon, as we will get into. No. All right. So, our episode begins in black and white San Francisco. And we get this Bogart impression. I believe it's um, Maurice LaMarche. He does, like, pretty much all the impressions in this episode, it seems like. I literally, I heard, I heard Bogart's voice and was like, Hi, Maurice. This is the city, San Francisco, home of Chinatown trolley cars and me, Sam Spade, famous film noir detective and notary public. Yeah, and <laughs> just, I guess, you know, it's easy being a detective and a noble purity. Uh, yes, and I'm gonna, 
it, it, it's a typical you know, noir thing. Did you say noble on purpose, Mark? Yeah, Maurice Noble. Uh, no, but... But I, not the only one of those we got in this episode. No. So, we get this little moment of, you know, he's, he's a detective, it's clear model after Bogart, he just listens to his voicemail, and it's just more 40s, 50s impressions, including Marlon Brando from The Godfather. Including Brando as uh, Don Corleone. Yeah. <laughs> and eventually, you know, Bogart's like, well, I gotta go to this Tillywigs convention, uh, I need someone to cover it for me. And then the last message on there is Granny saying, hey, well, listen, yep. I'm I heard you need a new detective. You need me. Hey, I'm Granny. And then just Bogart going, Granny. Wait a minute. As we um, we go into the opening sequence. And listen, it's been a while since I've seen Civil and Tweet Mysteries since we've done our episode. And God, I love the opening sequence to Civil and Tweet Mysteries. It's so well animated. It's a bit... It's kind of... You know, uh, I know when it comes to the 90s shows, a lot, a lot, a lot of the common complaints is, oh, the, the opening sequence always looked really good, then you get to the main show and it's not as good. Spider-Man Tree Mysteries is one of those few shows, Rob would only buy, I think maybe Batman the Animated Series, really, where the opening sequence actually fits the animation quality of the show. Yes, I kind of like that. And it's remastered in beautiful HD, so it looks even better. Um, yeah, yeah, it's 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 very nice, and it, it's nice that there's so many like like so much more attention getting paid to this show now, especially now that the remaster is out and it, you know it's on streaming and things. So yeah, so we go into the episode proper as they're flying into into San Francisco. It's Granny, Sylvester, Tweety, and Hector. Flying in. Mm-hmm. Again, the next time from Tweety. Like, ah, San Francisco. The place where Tony Bennett left his heart in. Cut to Sylvester. And yeah. the place where I'm going to eat a canary's heart. Like, ah, yes. Sylvester, <laughs> always hungry for that bird. Yeah, you know, it's just one thing. He's good at it. Yeah. You know. That's like most of his lines in this. If there's any, like, little complaint, I guess, is that... All of Sylvester's lines in this are are some sort of I want to eat Tweety pun, which is fine, yeah. but yeah, it gets a little old. We then now you must have loved this. Um, the moment where the plane lands and it gets closer and closer to the to the airport, yeah. leading old Lily to faint. I just wrote down here. Uh, hey, airplane reference. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. All we needed was um, was Johnny at the control booth, but um, but yeah, um, and I, but there are some good gags. I, th- I think it becomes a bit belabored, but I did like the timing of Sylvester yeah, as the little the little ramp comes out. The timing of Sylvester pouncing at Tweety, looking at us, and then falling mm. feels like the originals. Yes. So another, we then cut into the office of the PI, and it's all in black and yeah. white. It's this very deep, dramatic thing. And then just Granny looking over a light switch that says full-color, black-and-white film noir. And I'm like, oh, this yeah. is... Listen, I, I love noir films. This is ridiculous. Flake switch ridiculous. becomes full-color. So good. 
that's a cheeky joke that you know yeah. like they couldn't resist like well, we can't do the whole thing in black and white let's you know let's just say it's just an effect in his office and they have a lot of fun with things like that yeah um oh my god <laughs> I know, we had some, some quick, you know, setting up the office gags. Granny's in charge. Um, she has a secretary. The secretary doesn't do much. Um, the secretary, no, she doesn't. Which, fine. Um, during this setup, Granny hangs Tweety on this on, on the coat hanger, leading Sylvester to be like, Ah, yes, I love my food in the air. And the one thing that I really do, do like about Sylvester and Mysteries is that at the end of the day, these are Sylvester and Tweety cartoons. But what I love is because yeah. they're done by people who grew up watching Sylvester and Tweety cartoons, they could do interesting angles. Like, oh, how many times have you seen Sylvester climb up something to get Tweety? Millions of times. But you've never seen a downshot angle of Sylvester going up a pole to get Tweety. You know, it's like, it's little things like that that make it a more interesting to watch. And it's yeah, it's and, really and nicely done. There's lots of those, especially like the animation of Sylvester running down the fire escape mm-hmm. from the end of the, and just little things that there, yeah, the timing of that cable car hitting him when he's down there, just all these little angles, and there, there's a ton of them throughout this entire cartoon, and honestly, in the next one as well. But like they they really have fun with perspective and what they can do in the advancement of the media. Yes. Yeah, so Tweety falls off the off the uh, the coat hanger. Granny just says, "Sylvester, yeah. get him." And I do like this this moment where Sylvester goes down to the ground. Okay, come on, come to me. I'm going to eat the bird, but you're also going to eat the cage. So how does that work? Um, uh, he's not thinking it through, obviously. He, exactly. And as as a streetcar comes running down, Sylvester's reaction of, oh no, gets hit. Tweety lands on, on, on the car, and we get a nice line from Tweety of, uh, talk about deus ex machina, which, okay, writers. <laughs> the writers tend to show off here and there. That's fine. Um, but I'm That's fine with it, because I like, I like comedy writing details. Yeah, like, a lot of the gags, a lot of the jokes in this are, like, our sense of humor, like, our type of, like, what we would yes. find funny, and, and this, especially in the next one, just so many... Like, oh, that's legitimately oh great. So then, um, the Maltese Falcon starts. Uh, we get, um... Pretty much, yeah. Uh, we get our, our introduction. <laughs> I mean, would you like to explain our cast of characters to come into the office? Yeah, yeah, I think I would. Uh, and they're basically just the cast of any um, Humphrey Bogart movie. Because the first one that comes in, I believe, is supposed to be like a, a Lauren Bacall yeah. type. Who and and it's Tress McNeil doing Lauren McCall essentially, and I like. There's a lot of little details with this character because the whole thing is that she's she's trying to figure out where the Maltese canary is while also trying to distance herself from everything and everything everywhere about the case. It's like you know, would you know about anything about that I don't know about, by the way, or or this person answers, oh, uh, how are you? And, and not that I know you or anything. I like that, and also just like the little like. Like she she rushes in immediately, trying to uh, begging Granny to take, thinking it's Spade, thinking, begging her to take it back, and and then and she's like, no no no, I'm I'm Granny, Spade's left, and she and Lauren Bacall just sort of undoes her veil like blinds, which is great. Um, but yeah, so the whole thing is that like it's all these characters, in, including some that we that come in afterwards that are looking for the Maltese canary, which is looks suspiciously like Tweety. And they think it is Tweety, 
And so they're 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 all frantically trying to catch it because they know it's worth a fortune or something. And also Peter Lurie is here because when has a Looney production not done a Peter Lurie impression? When have they not taken that opportunity? You gotta have a Peter Lurie impression. Yeah. And you know, Maurice's Peter Lurie is not bad at all. It flies. Do you have any idea how much the Maltese Canary is worth? Neither do I. But it's at least a gazillion dollars. I'll tell you what. I'll go have these. It's a really good one, actually. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's basically just people like Peter Lurie, who, who was actually in the Maltese Falcon, um, and, and Lauren Bacall just sort of like being very animated and, and chomping at the bit to get their hands on this Maltese canary. And meanwhile, you, you also have the, the Sylvester and Tweety chase scene, which is something I find about those Sylvester and Tweety mysteries episodes is that they have... The actual mystery plot, and then because this is a kids' show, they have the actual chase plot going on the other side of it to make sure the kids are interested. And so that's really what's happening now is they're doing a whole chase uh, on a cable car, and there, there are some fun things. I, I like Tweety going, "Oh, I hate gravity," as he as he's about to fall off the top of the cable car. Things like that. Yes, as um, as Sylvester comes back into the office having eaten Tweety, <laughs> and and yes. just immediately. Because he hits up a feather, I mean, I was like, "Oh my god, yeah, the bird, get him!" And they just yeah. squeeze Tweety out of, out of Sylvester, which uh, again, you can't have Tweety die. But I just love, love the no, you really. I, can't. I just love the fact that this happens. I think in other episodes of the show, from from my memory, is just Sylvester has eaten Tweety before, has digested Tweety. Yeah, but but kind of thing like no. I mean, Tweety must taste that good if he if he, try, if he eats him once. He's like, he loses him, going, "Damn it! I want to eat him again." <laughs> Curses. <laughs> yeah. So, and then we get our introduction to Doe Guy. Well, well, there's a couple of nice lines before oh, then, where where basically where there's a, as as Lauren Bacall is introducing herself, and 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 she says, "Well, actually, I'm a hyphenate. My name is Jingleheimer Schmidt." Yes. It may be your birthday, Mark, but her name is my name too. Also, I, I do like uh, Peter Larry throwing in here. Uh, do you know? Do you have any idea how much the Maltese Canary is worth? Neither do I. But but it must be worth gazillions. Kiss dropping. Yeah, and now and now now Sydney Green Street comes in. It's the this was the one this was the point where I, I messages like, hey, have you seen Maltese Falcon? Because you're not going to get this if you haven't. But Sydney Green Street, who, if you haven't seen any 40s movies, his thing was being a really big, slightly camp British guy. He always played villains in these movies. There's a mystery science theater of a Raul Julia movie called Overdrawn at the Memory Bank, where the villain, because it's about someone who's obsessed with 1940s movies, and the villain is an actor basically doing a Sydney Green Street impression. And so I just, whenever I hear... Maurice Lamarge in this going, yes, well, uh, I, I seem to have found the Maltese uh, canary. <laughs> I just think of the this whoever from Mystery Science Theater just making fun of the guy in that movie by just doing burping or belching noises at whenever he talks and just doing, <laughs> doing like a, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. But also, I think this is one of my favorite impressions Maurice does in this one because it's such a good Sydney Green Street impression. Because he has this little, <laughs> after every so often, after a dialogue. It's just so funny. <laughs> it's the dough guy. You can call me Mr. Greenstreak. 
I believe this bird is mine. Tighten the unhand that canary, sir. Hey, watch the feathers. Ow! So, based on the description, it sounds like Seth Rogen fifteen years from now, if he if he if he gets into a <laughs> into a really like he just fully embraces his personality and just decides to eat forever. Ah, uh, yes, it's it's serious. It's it's Regal Rogen. It's yes, hello. Uh, I'm going to uh, s- slowly ingest this marijuana. <laughs> Um, yeah, exactly. On 420, no less. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> so, uh, eventually, you know, they, they, they're all trying to get the bird. Um, this yeah. is, this is a stupid gag. I love how they play with perspective. Yeah. Um, Doe Guy says, and I quote, follow that bird. No, no, that's a different Warner Brothers film no. entirely. No. This is the Maltese Falcon. No. But you just get these little little gags of like 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 just how just the gigantic Cindy Green Street trying to chase after the very small Tweety, and then just Bacall and Laurie looking around and moving things. This this isn't the most gag friendly cartoon, but it's doing things very well. Yeah, and then eventually Joe Guy gets stuck into the doorway, and that's where he yes. stays. The <laughs> rest of this it cartoon. is that I'm stuck. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's always funny when somebody gets stuck there. Slightly avoidable for a prolonged period of a cartoon. Because now, Granny, Dogai, Bacall, and Lori can't leave. They can't leave. No. So Granny's plan is, because no. Tweet has escaped off screen. So Granny's like, okay, Sylvester, you get you get Tweety. I'll distract these, these fools. And I, I, I do love, Which leads I to. do love just Sylvester. He's out the window, Granny going, oh, you know, cat, we gotta go. We also just like scratching at the window. Frozen in terror and then falling as Granny, like, as we whip around and Granny's pouring tea. It's, it's almost like an Edgar Wright shot. It's so incredible. <laughs> oh my God. Now, if Edgar Wright um, ever decided to do a uh, Looney Tunes film, that would be amazing. Oh my God. Oh my. God, I'd 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 pee. I <laughs> I'd be so excited. Um, by the way, and this is I literally wrote this verbatim in my notes notes around here because it's a sequence where Sylvester and Tweety are chasing each other all over San Francisco. I'm like, you know, it's easy not to have to animate San Francisco landmarks if you're just going to put a bunch of fog yeah, over shit. This is like the one gag that I didn't like. It's just you know, it's it's yeah. very much a. We, it's very much a we get it. You come, you're from the LA area show, so you can make these jokes about these San Francisco landmarks that are not being shown because of the fog. And um, it's it's whatever. Also, also there's the gag where like Sylvester runs into a bunch of tourists, and the tourists are in solo, and they're like, "Here, take our picture." And and the joke is that you can't see them; it's just their smiles, which it's. That's a very Cartoon Network gag. It is. I have to say. It, 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 it's good. It's good animation gag, but I don't know if it's a funny animation gag. If that makes any sense. And um, then we just <laughs> hard cut to Alcatraz. No swimming because Sylvester and Tweety. They, uh, Sylvester fell off the Golden Gate Bridge, as it happens to everyone. As um, we just hard cut to Alcatraz and a sign. No swimming. 
which I really like. It's so silly, but I like it. And he climbs up, and he's completely out of it, and there's a guy who sounds very familiar. It's a very familiar voice when I saw this. I'm like, okay, I know that fucking voice. Yeah. And, you know, he's covered in birds, and he's like, Oh, cats allowed on Alcatraz. <laughs> and he just swims back, and I immediately messaged Jordan going, okay, this is driving me crazy. <laughs> I, I know that freaking voice. Who is it? Because, listen... I looked it up. I went on, on the wiki. I'm like, okay, because this is all the impressions. Royal Maltese Falcon guys. Nothing for this guy. Nothing. So I'm like, okay, who is this guy? And um, and I'm just slowly, I'm like, hmm. I, I, this is literally what happened last night on a messenger. I was like, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, okay. So he's at Alcatraz and he is this man with birds. And who is he? If only there was something from that era that had a man with birds at Alcatraz. What could it be? And I was, I was, and, and there, the, the pause after that mark was too long. <laughs> it's like, you know, the part in Monty Python, the Holy Grail, where, uh, I do, where I do. It's, it's the witch uh, burning and, and, and Terry Jones is like, and, and what else burns or what else floats? And there's a too long pause. And no, and literally none of them know. And Eric Idle literally just chomps on his scythe to keep from laughing. That's what it was. It was like, I gave it to you. It's Birdman of Alcatraz. I, and, and they're like, and eventually you did I get did. it. And, and then and I, I was just in complete bewilderment because what that means is that there was a 1962 from, okay, the Maltese Falcon. It's not an obscure film. People know about the Maltese Falcon. You know, it's a bogey. You know, you're yeah. probably in the movie. Birdman of Alcatraz. Starring Burt Lancaster. Lancaster. Who that's who he's doing the impression of. It's a bit more obscure. It sounds like a, a gag the Simpsons would have made in the 90s. And it sounds like some obscure John a Schwarzwalder sort of gag, like, I don't know if this references yes. old-ass movie nobody's heard of, but I'm going to think it's hilarious. And just the fact that there's this random-ass Burt Lancaster reference in a 1990s ah. episode of Semester Dream Mysteries based on a movie made by the most... It's, it's the most... It, it, you know, it's so funny. You say, like, oh, well, for, for the kids, you need the Sylvester and Tweety Chase to entertain them. And for the adults, you have Burt Lancaster. Yeah, adult, it's very much an episode for all ages. <laughs> very much an episode for all ages. Yeah. Burt Lancaster and Sydney Greenstreet. Yes. And, uh... Yes. Oh. Yes. And then and then after he had his issue with uh, Sylvester, he went to the cafeteria, looked inside the soup, and said, No oyster crackers! Oyster crackers. You forgot the oyster crackers. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Um. <laughs> um. <laughs>
episode. Put up the bit. And, and, uh, and Larry, he loves, he loves old-time impressions, so he's like my full-on audience, like my small demographic. But he loved Burt Lancaster, and I, I used I And this well, and is probably I, an impression that a lot of young people don't know, but Burt Lancaster, one of the great film stars. One of the great film stars, and people have been doing impersonations of him forever, but I worked, uh, I was a PA on this movie, and the wardrobe guy goes, you know, I used to work for Burt Lancaster, and I brought him chowder one day. Uh-huh. Burt Lancaster uh, Bert getting Lancaster his chowder. Getting his chowder. Uh-huh. And they brought him his chowder, and it was in a paper bag. And he said, Burt Lancaster looked in the paper bag, and he stared in there for a long time. And then he looked up, and he went, oyster crackers. <laughs> you forgot the oyster crackers. <laughs> And I did that, and Larry went, ooh, <laughs> <laughs> So I just walked around going, oyster crackers. <laughs> this is the power of Bill Hader. He can just, he, he grew up on old-timey shit and can just do these. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I laughed at that just because I was, I, I literally put in here, oh my God, the Burt Lancaster impression. <laughs> and the weirdest part is, Mark, this may not be the most obscure reference in either of these episodes. Well, we'll get there when we get there. Um, <laughs> so, we then cut back to a Granny distracting the cast in the Maltese Falcon. And, you know, they're going to the slideshow. And what's what the first thing Granny they're says? They're still trying to get him out of the doorway. They're still trying to get him out of the doorway. And just Greg going, ah, oh, this is where we're in France. So, Cherie's puzzle. Like, okay, I swear the person that Greg said that made of France was also another actor. Am I crazy? Was it? I forget. I don't know. So, 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 so yeah, I love so good in France. <laughs> and they just got to, like, McCall and Pierre Laurie, and, like, they can't, they can't oh, no. manage it. Stop. Please, for love of God. Um... This is Grant going, oh, no, 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 I'm going to show you my, my New Jersey, my New Jersey trip with so-and-so. Then I wrote down here, Granny went to New Jersey. <laughs> yes, for your birthday. <laughs> well, shit, now, now I really want to see, um, sorry, Dream Mysteries episode takes place in Jersey. They have to go to, they have to go to Atlantic City to... Find someone's money because they spent it all. You know, you know, it's funny because Atlantic City is a Burt Lancaster movie. Really? Yeah, they go to Atlantic City and just hear ah. Well, there, there's your main suspect right there. It's Burt Lancaster. Burt Lancaster. Hey kids, it's Burt Lancaster. (laughs) 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 Oh my god! So. So meanwhile, the chase is still going yeah, just on. Going on. Um, we go into they run to um, a, a football field. They run, run to a Candlestick Park, where the Niners used to play. Yeah. Okay, I know, I know that Sylvester said this in B two or not or not B two. Maybe, maybe it's like a running gag of reference to how they are older characters. But just Sylvester's on the field, gets thrown a football. He sees the the team running towards him, Liam, to say, "I'm getting too old for this." <laughs> I love that. And there's a nice detail of Tweety spelling out putty, putty Tad with the cheerleaders, which was funny. The funny part of this is this is the kind of cut right here from 
Sweetie doing cheerleading to <laughs> Granny stalling with accordion playing. The gags are not coming in natural places, but I am laughing mostly at just the absurdity of it all. Especially <laughs> as they tell her to stop, which she has to keep stalling them. So she goes, well, now, this is the single greatest thing to ever come out of June Foray's mouth. Well, now, how about a little Pearl Jam? I love this damn show. <laughs> and it's 1995, so it's still like peak Pearl Jam or whatever. So, oh, know. man. Still Vitology era. What song do you think <laughs> Granny would play from from Pearl Jam? Like, what do you think her favorite song would be? Let's see. What's what's kind of simple to play the on accordion on the the, uh, the accordion? Um, I don't. I, if only Weird Al were around, we could we could ask him. Um, which which whichever Pearl Jam song was in one of his polkas, I guess. I don't know. Um, he did a song. About the lead singer of Pearl Jam that I like. Okay, right. He did that. I, I don't know if it showed up when I see Pearl Jam, Weird Al Polka. Um, nothing's coming up here, so I don't believe Pearl Jam has shown Damn, up. Damn, alright, fine. Weird Al's discography. And in terms of what, what Granny would actually play in the accordion of Pearl Jam's, um, what would be kind of easy to do? Um, elderly woman behind the counter in a small town. Because I think it's just the story of her life at that point. I <laughs> uh, you know what? it'll probably be. Um, you know, what was like? There was a moment on David Letterman's show where Paul Drum released a song, and they did a running bit for I think a week where the song wouldn't get out of Letterman's head. It was like I was like do 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 do. I don't know that one. And then like one day they just decided to prank to. to prank the audience so then he's like oh man I really love that song it goes do 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 and then just Eddie Vedder comes out from the doors and, and they just do the song <laughs> they just perform the song it's like okay <laughs> bye and they just leave why yeah cool. you know what uh? do you want to really know how that's done yeah have it done do right do it for me do it for me okay Eddie huh wait a minute Eddie no <laughs> It probably would, it probably just would be an elderly woman behind the small town behind the counter in a small town. So, um, so eventually, because anyway. they are in, yeah, totally. <laughs> that was worth it. Yes, I, I don't know <laughs> where we went with that, but we went somewhere. Um, <laughs> I lost track of the story. I don't know yes. what has happened. So <laughs> they go because it's San Francisco. They got a fog factory. So they run to the fog factory. It's like the pigeon yeah. fall factory because Tweety Tweety's like, oh, they could probably help me. Tweety goes in. Sylvester realizes that's where Tweety went and uh, goes in. And then we're introduced to Jess Harnell Fog Dog. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> just, you know, not, 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 not a specific character, just, you know, random dog doing dog things. 
occasional funny reads like, uh, "Oh, now look what you've done!" You know, very like that. But I did, I love the absurdity of just the fog. Sylvester turning all the off all the fog in San Francisco, which again that also kind of feels like. Uh... Let's make this easier for ourselves to animate and not just have a fog filter on everything. Yeah. Because the backgrounds look great. Like, when they do talk the fog, it's it's very nice. Like, I see done backgrounds of uh, San Francisco, including some really fun inside gags that we'll get to in a minute. Yeah. And then, of course, since we still need to pad out the runtime a little bit, this fish sorting sequence. Yes, they probably did this to pad out the runtime. However... There's some great animation here of like when Sylvester falling into the fish. There is the fish machine. It, there, there's weight to it. It's a fully rendered Sylvester. Um, we get oh, oh I love this just because like for one Sylvester's in a good situation. He lands into a big thing of fish. He looks up just a great expression of joy on his face. He picks up a fish. And of course, the machine takes him, and because it's alluding to its production that loves the classics. Powerhouse kicks in. Hell yeah. <laughs> yep. This bit does go on for a while, but it's very, very yes, well done. And I can't respect for that. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's... Yeah, from an animation standpoint, it's really good. There's a lot of fun details here. I also love after the aftermath of it, where it's Sylvester just oh, angrily stomping just... through town. <laughs> With to a Johnny comes marching home. He just cue. kicks kicks the door in, which again very nicely done. Just kicks the door in. Yeah. He's so mad. Yeah. <laughs> it's I. I don't quite remember what what happens with that with the fog machines. He turn on. Well, the what happens again? is that uh, Sylvester catches Tweety, and um, and goes to us and says, "Now what? I've never gotten this far before." Which I love when characters say that, especially to us. Um, that's always really fun. And then we're back at the, um, the office and there's a lot of Green Street lines that I just absolutely love in this just because of how good the impression is. Like there was one from earlier where it was, um, uh, <laughs> have you considered using the fire escape? Yeah. <laughs> it just jumped out the fire escape. <laughs> and then the other one that I laughed at, the, the other one that I laughed at was, was right here where, cause it was, um, I'd read it myself. But that, my set of encyclopedias are in my back pocket, and my hands are in the front room. And how am I just realizing now this is basically just slightly British lure? Like, it's it's Maurice doing his lure voice, essentially. <laughs> Your lure horn! Oh, man. It's amazing what can be done. Yeah. But what's even better is that we have to explain the chronology of the Maltese Canary to everybody. And who better to explain this to us than Maurice and his Sydney Green Street voice? Because, you know, it's, it's always funny when you get someone who sounds funny to be your narrator. And in this case, it's... 1539, Lord Viscera the Knight presented the King of Malta with a jeweled canary to replace the live one his cat, uh, misplaced. Oh. The bird remained in Malta until the 1800s when the castle's treasure got stolen by pirates. The bird was uh, misplaced. The funniest character, the funniest voice in this gets to be your narrator. It's like, well, centuries ago, uh, 
we had this this canary and hey, yeah, canary is golden and it was taken by pirates and then fucking near Sam is there. <laughs> Wait, what's that? Okay. Yeah. Ah, hey. I hate gracious cameos. Ooh. <laughs> there's a lot of fun bits in this sort of montage of the Maltese canary being passed down from century to century. My favorite bit. My favorite bit. And this. This is a total, like, Animaniacs level gag of just, you bet your yes. bird, it's a it's hosted by Groucho Marx. It's Jeff Bennett who, it's Jeff Bennett doing a pretty decent Groucho that goes, uh, today's secret word is, uh, concussion. Also, note to self, I can do a good Jeff Bennett impression. Also, speaking of Animaniacs, it's a fun little thing, it's just, you know, whenever Tweety's in the room, they all have to yell, give me the bird, which I wrote down here, we really would with the box sensors. We'd love to, really, but the Fox 6 just wouldn't allow it. I feel like they wanted to make that joke, too, but they couldn't. So, uh, eventually... Eventually... Just, just, I think Granny points out, like, Oh, you know, there's a there's a canary shop down the street. And it's Mike's Maltese Canary Show, which... Cheeky. Yes. yes, having a character call himself Mrs. Jones and a Michael Maltese Canary. Okay, okay, I see you. Um. So, so they run into this canary shop, and what it is is it's a shop that sells nothing but Tweety merchandise. And listen, listen, no shade, yeah. absolutely no shade. But I know so many people who would see this clip and go, "Oh, that—that's just reality." Tweety's everywhere now. Where's the Peppy merch? Where's, where's my Speedy merch? Where's my... <sighs> where's my Tickle Me Frizz? <laughs> and you, you press his hand and he goes, we, the, we were making them for ourselves. And Bugs Bunny sitting down. And other phrases. <laughs> and most especially, stop following me. Anyway, stop. <laughs> I listen. I listen, told I, you to stop. I, I just recently listened to the Golden Collection episode. It's really good, but th- that's a great moment. <laughs> How many times? That is honestly one of my favorite bits we ever did, which is frizz on film. Which is uh, uh, how, uh, how much are these bananas? I told you to stop. <laughs> oh, God. I have a twenty around somewhere. No. Oh my God! They, they just got to him and his wife at a fancy dinner. Oh, honey, I love you so. Oh my God, how many times? Please. (laughs) I love that bit so much. Uh, Um, So yeah, but yeah, no. So so they're ramsacking through this Tweety shop, and Granny brings in the cops. Like, okay, take them away. Come on, officers. (laughs) I'm a bit confused as to why they get arrested, but all right, you know, the cartoon's got to end eventually. Yeah, like, oh no, no. Oh. And they get a whole hook apparatus to get Green Street out of the door. Led to one of my favorite gray lines in this. Okay, officers, let it rip. <laughs> June Foray is the best, man. As um, Bogart comes in through the window. He came in through the back of the window. Um, oh, yeah. As he's <laughs> just, oh, yeah, so thank you. I, I won the Tiddlywigs convention. See? Okay, listen. 
the Bogart jokes really do anything for me here, but still, it's it's, it's fine. As he moves a bookshelf, puts the award on, and we see he actually does have the Maltese Canary. Yeah, I like that. Leading to, leading nice to Doughboy. Hey, and wait! That, poof, goes, goes through the um the wall. Especially goes, wow! He really yeah. ripped the door off the. Then Spencer steps on a on a rug, gets pulled out. Sylvester's gone. That that's good timing. I like that timing a lot. And we end with Tweety saying two catchphrases from Casablanca. Yep. Pretty much. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Man, can we just, like, give, like, loony cartoons like this again? Uh, and, and, and what I mean by that is just, Please. you know, weekly, very nicely animated, very nicely orchestrated, produced, voice acted... 30-minute Looney Tune episodes. Because, you know, in the ones we covered in the past, you know, Looney Tunes show was a bit too sitcom-like, too dry. You got you know, Duck Dodgers, which is good, but it's very out there, very sci-fi. It, it, it kind of do every once without really adhering to the Looney Tune mythos. Virtually Mysteries, man, it's, uh, at least the first season, they're just really good Sylvester and Tweety cartoons with this interesting new take of it being yeah. a mystery and it's there's so much love and dedication throughout while it's providing a fantastic story on its own with great references to both the Maltese Falcon and just Sylvester Treaty cartoons on its own it, 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 I, I greatly enjoyed this episode yeah um there were some really fun gags in this as well as just bizarre jokes and impressions that kept me laughing very hard um very fun send-up, not only just of NAR films, but what made them eccentric in the first place and these sort of characters that would populate them, including very good Sidney Greenstreet, Peter Lurie, and Lauren Bacall impressions. Not everything's well thought out. There is some filler and some, you know, strains of a 20-minute runtime, I hate to say it. But I did laugh a lot, and I enjoyed it overall. Yeah, I'm giving the Sandville rating a 4.5 out of 5. I'm minutes. only giving it a 4 out of 5, but I still really liked it. All right. On to the one that didn't happen on either of our birthdays. Um, this one is, as it's the middle of the year, this one's our uh, Christmas episode. Um, it's It happened one night before Christmas, which was released on December 16th, 1995. Uh, on this day, uh, the Queen of England advises an quote-unquote early divorce to Charles and Diana before it would be officially ratified the following year. All right, so this episode came out... Not to tie it too hard, but that's, that's what, like 10 days after your birthday? No, uh, like 20 days after my birthday, more like it. 20 days later. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, 20 days later, I'm, I'm 20 days old, and this is in helping me into the world. Um, and I mean, appropriately, the number one at the box office was still Toy Story, so. Yes, yes, uh, that's, that's that the out. one. <clears throat> That's a movie I watched a million times. That's the great. That's the greatest thing. It's like, hey, we had Toy Story. We should be. We should really be the most entitled Toy Story fans because of it. We were. We were on the on the ground floor, baby. I um. We we do our our uh song on this day things um the, between the U.S. and the U.K. Um, number one in the U.S. as it was late 1995 was One Sweet Day by Mariah Carey oh. and Boys to Men. Number one in the UK is 
a song that I really like that I'm a little conflicted over because it's Earth Song by Michael Jackson. I actually really, really fucking like that song. A lot. A lot, a lot. And yet at the same time, there's so much ambiguity about Michael Jackson that I don't know if it's cool to like it, even though I am clearly saying that it's the better of the two songs. I mean... And the UK has the advantage. Yeah. I feel iffy, but, you know. Oh, uh, well... Yeah, it's a great song. Yeah, not bad. What do you want? Um, this one was directed by James C. Walker, uh, written by Tim Cahill and Julian McNally. Um, Mark, what was the anecdote that you were saying about this one that I think Tim K. Tim Cahill ever saw? Right. It? So they got so they got interviewed on um, on of course of course realize this being podcast on Jonathan Graves' uh, Lean News podcast. Yeah, and friend, you know, yeah. I was no, I, I, I take exactly where I was. I was walking my dog late at night. And I'm listening to the thing, as you as do. As you do. And I'm listening to it, and they're like, yeah, you know, we, we did some fun episode. We did, we did this one episode where I thought, like, oh, because you know, it was around the holiday time. They're like, oh, and then Mr. Potter's World for Life. And just the idea came up of, um, what if what if Granny tried to take down Mr. Potter from It's a Wonderful Life? And I immediately... Was like, holy shit, really? And I immediately looked it up, and sure enough, like, yes, there's an episode of Funchy Mysteries where it's Granny Sylvester and Tweety in the in um in Pottersville. Oh, no, in, in Bedford Falls, Falls yeah, or, or Bedspread Falls, Bedford as it Falls, is. but um, and Granny has to help yeah. um, Uncle Willie help help with yeah, an actual character from, from the movie. movie. You know, it's it's it, and that's what's great about it is that it's it's literally you're weaving these characters into the actual events of It's a Wonderful Life because the whole thing is that you know Uncle Uncle Billy or Uncle Willie in the movie um, misplaces an envelope with eight thousand dollars, and then that means that you know that because of that because Potter steals it, then it's gonna you know <laughs> ruin um, you know George Bailey's. Uh, well-being oh, and lead yeah. him to contemplate suicide, and that's yeah. the whole movie. And you've you've seen that. Oh one, my right? god! Yeah, it's wonderful life. yeah, it's a great movie. Good. Okay, making sure. Yeah, it's a great movie. Uh, it's it, it. A lot of the the Gen Xers are like, oh, it's overrated because they they play it every year on Christmas, and uh, the, the and people nowadays are like, yeah, no, they, they play it every year because it kicks ass. It's a fucking awesome movie. But yeah, there's a lot of Gen Xers that have problems with that ending because it's like, oh, well, you know, Mr. Potter doesn't get his just desserts. And there's been a lot of revisionist It's a Wonderful Life bits, like the very famous one from SNL where Dana Carvey kicks the crap out of Mr. Potter. Quiet, everyone! I remembered! I remembered what I did with the money, the $8,000! Well, that's great! That's great, Uncle Billy! Well, what, what'd you do with it? I was in the bank. I had it in a newspaper. I remember giving it to someone! Well, who, remember... who'd you give it to? No, wait! Now, I just called Clarence at the bank. He told me that old man Potter deposited exactly $8,000 right after I left! It was him! Well, what are we waiting for? Let's go get it! Which I think I sent you at one point during this. You did, because because there's a shot in, in, in this cartoon at Mr. Potter's office, and it's the exact same. It looks exactly like the one from the SNL sketch. Just a minute, I can explain, Dan! Because I love it, it's Potter. 
and he just they go they go behind a desk and just I, I love whenever SNL applies dummies into the sketches. Just he kneels down. Yes, and they throw around the John Lovitz dummy. Yeah, dummy. They they do wrestling moves on it. Why? Why you're nothing but a fraud. You're not even a cripple. Now wait a second. I can explain that. Harry, Mary, hold him for you. Just a minute, I can explain. <laughs> Which is the funniest line in anything and the funniest delivery in anything. Oh, boy. Oh, my so God. Funny. Uh, tattoo it on my grave. Um, uh, but, yeah, no, it's because it's all of these Gen Xers and, and Boomers had all this resentment at Mr. Potter because he never got his comeuppance in the movie. And so it's probably just, you know, Tim and Julie going, why don't we just torture him in this? And they sort of do. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's just the concept. Yeah, it's just the concept of something happening concurrently with the events of It's a Wonderful Life that happens to be with, you know, Sylvester and Tweety and Granny is, is a very funny idea. And, and that's all we're covering it. <laughs> you know, it's, it. Yeah, exactly. It's such a silly idea. But, yeah. Um, so, I think that this cartoon holds the record for the single soonest beginning of cartoon to me laughing hysterically ratio of anything we've ever covered. Mm -hmm. Which is a pan over of Bedford Falls or Bedspread Falls and the narrator Sylvester comes in and goes Olaf and my children and you shall hear of the midnight ride of Paul Reeve. Oops, wrong poem. (laughs) I lost it. I was gone. That's it's such a good it's joke. It's a fantastic joke. Because you know we're expecting to hear it's was the night before Christmas. It's a fantastic joke, number one. And number two, it just goes to our comic sensibilities because that's a joke we would come up with. <laughs> just, just like, because like, like the, the idea of like a false narration and be like, oh, wait, apologies. It's like, that's uh, so fucking funny. So, and it keeps getting funny because the whole thing is that uh, the, the, the narration in this is done by a rhyming Sylvester. And, you know, it's, it's, it's very much a, you know, it's a Twas the Night Before Christmas thing with added in uh, lines about wanting to eat the bird, which, yeah, figures. But um, I also love him adding at the beginning, at the end of this bit, boy, speaking in rhymes can really sound strange. Um, it's great. But um, the beginning of this, the cold open of this, is it's it's Uncle Willie, and it's Jim Cummings and Jeff Bennett as Hubie and Bertie. Which hey, Hubie and Bertie are here. I was like, oh shit, yo, yeah, they are. Hey guys, yeah, nice to see you here. It, pretty much, yeah. It's nice to see them. <laughs> um, and also, I, I I mean, look, you can hear Jim Con- Jim Cummings. I mean, look, I've I've heard a million things with Jim Cummings that you can hear his husk as as Hubie, I believe, and. You can tell that it's him. And and they're still doing really good Hubie and Birdie voices, but like it's it like, oh hey Jim, you know, what's going on? It's like Maurice and Lois, like, hey Maurice, what's hey, going Hubie, on? Hey Hubie, it looks like the old guy's losing it. Didn't you hear him bite? He's already lost it. Eight thousand bucks. Eight thousand bucks? Gee, Hubie, that's a lot of cheese. Maybe we should help the old guy. But like, it's it's honestly a really sweet cold open where as as Uncle Willie looks for missing eight thousand dollars. 
Hubie and Bertie direct him to a Christmas card from Granny, and it, it, it segues us into the, the opening sequence. It's, it's a really fun way of, of doing that. So, um, more with this fucking narration. Let spread falls is old-fashioned and not up to speed. Hey, look over there. Is that Donna Reed? Stop making me laugh this hard. It's early. Stop it. Oh, my voice cracked there. It's great. Um, It's so damn silly. It's so... Again, and just the fact... Is this when they cut to Sylvester, to Granny, go coming into into Bedford Falls on a robot? Robotic, like, like it's a robot on her car or something. <laughs> yeah, just to get into this thing, we needed a ladder. Cut to robot. Cause sure, why yeah. not? Joe Alasky's read of that of, of that. I mean, I don't think I've said this before. Uh, I absolutely adore Sylvester, and I think it's my favorite post-Smell Sylvester voice. He's excellent at him. He's excellent in all of these, and just so many different reads. <laughs> Like the you know just to get into this thing we needed a ladder like it's really good ones, um, but eventually they do get into town and Granny reunites with her brother Willie and they introduce each they they greet each other by yelling sister brother yeah spoken like two people that definitely have names I, I'm an only child but like if I did a if I had a sister I wouldn't like uh, greet myself and go sister like you know it's some cult mentality there. I mean, is Bedford Falls really that removed from a cult? Yeah. Uh, I mean, first of all, Uncle Willie is definitely a, a cult leader name. Yeah. But, like, you know, Mr. Potter could be, like, you know, trying to keep a cult going. And that's what Potter... Pottersville is like Jones. Exactly. That's how... Oh, shit. Yeah. Isn't that the plot twist of the century? If 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 Bedford Falls has really been in Guyana this entire time, <laughs> but uh, I'm telling you, like all the alternate alternate reality, where like Pottersville becomes the thing, and then like I don't know that the sixties hits, and it just it all goes to shit, and Potter get these beatniks back here. The only Beatles I want to be hearing around here are the ones in my shed. So, anyways, so they're introducing each other. They're introducing um, the pets, yes. and it's it's whatever. It's so, okay. Oh, here's my dog. Yeah. There, there, there's a nice gag here of yeah. There's a nice gag here of Uncle Willie closing the door on Sylvester and Hector, and Fink whimpering her from outside. And also, let it be known as they're introducing each other. You know, it's like, oh, this is my cat. This is my dog. Uncle Willie is the kind of man who likes kissing his sister's cat on the lips, and that is not a euphemism. (laughs) As Granny says, it isn't polite to eat family. And then, what's the next line? (laughs) Who's then introduced? What? Well, after that, um, Uncle Willie... Uncle Willie. ...shows, um, Sylvester... Oh, and here are my here are my friends, uh, Hubie and Bertie. To which Sylvester replies, "Well, they're my kissing cousins." Wait, wait, hold on. <laughs> wait oh. a minute. Wait a, wait minute, a minute, minute here. We don't even know if they're related. How did that get through? <laughs> but 
Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, the, 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 the censors must have been distracted by all the, the, the chase sequences that they're distracting the kids with. Which, Speaking of which, more chase sequences uh -huh. happen. And Hector gets to be infatuated with uh, a, a recurring, disappearing dodo bird that these rat writers were really infatuated with. Yeah, we'll, we'll get back to my thoughts on him. Because I think how they handle him, they could have done something. Okay. Which, again, it's wishful thinking, I know, but we'll get to it later. Um, yeah, but <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, look, I, I and, and we get some some chase stuff and some some shenanigans and him trying to chase the mice and the bird. And yada which, yada. to be fair, that happens. But is it? But it is more entertaining than the a plot. Yeah, I mean, a little because because the but like I also kind of like the a plot in this. Oh one. yeah, as do I. But, you know, it's very... I mean, listen, in my humble opinion, I think this episode... I see what you I mean. I think that this episode was a lot more like... Like, not inside baseball, but a lot more... Was a lot more... If you know the movie, you'll really love this. Because yeah. a lot of what the A... Well, I know the movie, so I really love this. <laughs> As as do I, as do I. But yeah, actually, if you're a kid, you're like they're just standing around talking to these funny. You know, they're, yeah. they're, they're playing over the top, but it's very much like okay, I guess they're talking to this random guy in a drugstore. But <laughs> we've seen the movie; yeah. it's hilarious. But it's, it's silly, though. I mean, yeah. I also I do love Jim Cummings' voice for the shopkeeper. Even funnier seeing a Sylvester and Tweety gag going on in the background outside the store while still hearing him mumbling on about sarsaparilla. The juxtaposition of Hector wordlessly beating up Sylvester as the shopkeeper drums on oh, is I very silly. I love and Birdie getting he giving Hector the paddle to beat Sylvester with. Just like, here you yes, go. I love that. It's a relative of, uh, here, Lions. <laughs> also, just like, as they're leaving, the guy just goes, I hate keys! He hates everything. That's a, they were having fun of that. It's it. It's a relative of. And again, this is the second mystery science theater reference I'm making this episode. Is a relative of the um, the really pissed off shopkeeper from the Brute Man episode, who just seems pissed off about everything. I hope you die. You know, something like that. But um, that's one of the few moments where you literally see Mike Nelson just like keel over and facepalm at what's going on in the movie. Just like <laughs> you hear him go, "Oh my god." But yeah, um, yeah. As they leave, you, you the narration continues, and then Sylvester puts in the line of uh, "Whilst visions of furly dogs danced in my head," and the writers are at least having fun with the rhyming narration thread. Now, on one hand, the part of the a plot that may piss people off is the fact that, like, oh, I went here. Oh, I didn't remember that I went here because it just it keeps them going places and keeps moving things along. And it's like, oh, we have to go to this place. There is, and then that. I can see why that can piss some people off. But I also like how mad Granny progressively gets as she learns all the other places Willie went to when he just said he went to the bank and came home. It's like, she just see the mounting, like, you know, the, the anger that's building in her. <laughs> just, um... And then... Uh, also, I don't know where, but like, there's a moment where Sylvester runs into, like, a post, and there's a cool cat, like, Easter egg on the yeah. post, because... Yeah, yeah, I saw that, yeah. They hide, they try to hide cool cat in all of these. I think, I think my favorite... 
And this is saying something, my favorite Sylvester narration line, when this might have been, uh, Had he made the deposit and simply forgotten? Had his brain been replaced with potatoes au gratin? They had so much fun writing these. It's fun to rhyme. And then, um... Oh, and- <laughs> Oh, oh, hey, Jeff Bennett voice. Clearly um, Jeff Bennett, yeah. Yeah, clearly Jeff... Oh, hey, I'm, I'm doing the one voice I do for everything. That's, that sounds nothing like Troy McClure. Um, but, um, hey! Saturdays are for dads, and dad's cab. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, so, yeah. But yeah, it's more red hair. Yeah, this, yeah. this taxi ride, and just, you know... Hey, it's $1.90! Keep the change! Wow, full ten cents! Thanks. You two are spoiling me. Uh, and oh, by the way, you left something in my cab earlier, and you're like, "Oh, finally, are we gonna get a clue?" No, just your horse, and just a shot of a horse in a cab. <laughs> Random. I was half thinking he was gonna say, "No, your whore," but mm-hmm. um, no. Um, also, I will say that uh, that um, there, there's a moment where they go to the movies. So it's like, "You went to the movies? Why?" Yeah. And then for like. For ten seconds, it becomes a Three Stooges tribute to Curly specifically. Yeah, it's it's a Curly tribute, <laughs> not the whole Stooges, just yeah, Curly. Yeah, that's you went to a film festival starring Curly, and it just starts doing Curly sound effects, and it's so it's cute. I like that. <laughs> just hell yeah. So they go to this Italian restaurant. are you doing it's a scene in an italian restaurant oh 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 yeah right yes uh things are okay with me these days got a good job gotta get off i got a good life gotta go work family's fine <laughs> oh um yeah you, you test me with with my billy joel knowledge i can do just fine um but yeah um at this italian restaurant the scene in an italian restaurant um this um, this Jim's this Jim Cummings side character we meet. Um, did he look familiar to you? Was he the chef from um, from French Rabbit? Oh. No, but you're close. Ah shit! Because I actually went back to a cartoon that I don't think I ever should have gone back to to verify this, and I think that's what they were trying to do. But I am 90% sure that this guy is the Italian guy from A Hound for Trouble, which is the Charlie Dog one that we covered, where Charlie Dog ends by doing a very racist Italian dance. I am 90% sure that that's the guy from A Hound for Trouble. I checked. It looks pretty similar, which means that this is even more obscure than the Burt Lancaster. Yeah, I'd say because... Again, I ask, how? I think it just demonstrates how big Lutein fans these these people were. They're like, hey, you know that chef character from that one Charlie Dog cartoon that nobody in the right mind remembers? Let's bring him back. <laughs> like, okay. Sure. Um, but yeah, that happens. And it's another red herring. Though I, I did love the line. I did love the line from Tweety. I did love the line from Tweety because for some reason he has a hot tub. I don't know why. But then Tweety's line of, gee, and it's not even Saturday night. Tweety, what sort of shit do you get into? 
You don't want to know, man. Because I know, I know every Saturday night before I watch SNL, I get into my hot tub and just laugh my head off silly. Um, yeah, no, I um, I get into a cold tub every Saturday night and just reflect on the misery <laughs> I've inflicted on. Okay, um, so we, we finally introduced Frank Welker doing a Mr. Potter impression. It's a pretty good, it's a very funny impression. It's a, a, a good impression of Mr. Potter. Frank Welker, when not doing animal noises, can do good work. Daly, what are you doing back here? That's for me to know and you to find out, Totter. <laughs> What's it gonna be this time, Daly? Trying to get a free toaster without opening an account? You're not a very nice guy, are you? The meanest man in town. I really like the A-plot tying back into... The, the, the goof plot when Tweety, Hubie, Bert, and Birdie realize Potter deposited the money into his own account and they realize they have to be the ones to save the day. And so that's our act break. And then we come back from the break and we join the next gag in process, in progress, as Sylvester and Hector in a Santa suit together in tandem are coming down his chimney. Sylvester's going, how do we ever let him talk us into this one? things where they never had to explain it. It's just, hey... It's a cartoon, real thick. Though I will say, it was at this point where I'm kind of going, so it's Sylvester who takes down Potter. Okay. Well, which, which is still funny, but like, uh, I was kind of thinking, like, oh, like, Gray, like... Granny eventually gets there. Yeah, eventually, but, but yeah, just Sylvester and Tree have to take down Mr. Potter. And, um, Yeah. Now, yeah. now here... When Sylvester lands down the chimney, and Mr. Potter's like, okay, that means I get a present, right? Because obviously he's still a fool that believes in Santa Claus. And all Sylvester has is uh, Hector's dog collar. And he go, and, and Mr. Potter essentially goes to the effect of, well, I've always wanted one of these. Now, what do you think this man would have a use for a dog collar for? Oh, oh, Mr. Potter. Not to darken one of the greatest American stories ever made, but if we were to just go with the juxtaposition and assumption that Mr. Potter, one of the greatest screen villains, was, in fact, a kinky little bitch, then maybe that enriches our enjoyment of the overall film. Instead of just traumatizing all children so, and movie lovers in a three-mile radius. So what you're saying is, is that the end of that movie should be not Jimmy Stewart pleading with Mr. Potter, but Jimmy Stewart coming in with a whip, like, Okay, come here, you kitchen bastard! Alright. Now I want you to get on the floor, and I want you to, I want you to earn that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what you need to do, right? No, 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 no. It's hard to do Jimmy Stewart and talk sexy at the same time. No. Um, there is no market for a sexy Jimmy Stewart. Anyway. Let's say a potter. I want you to get on your knees and beg for it. Hear me? Beg for it. Listen to me, I can explain it. No, 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 no. 
You'll speak when I want you to speak. Oh. For all acquaintances. And that sound you hear is the last follower finally just leaving the podcast. <laughs> we had a good run. Um, yeah, fight before a movie episode too. God damn, stick around. And that's the end of our show. If you want to keep up with no. Um I love okay, okay. so we, we have okay. more shenanigans happening here. Um, um I, I yeah. do love that the disappearing uh dodo gag culminates in the Oh wait, no, that comes later. There's more shenanigans probably you want to talk yeah, about. Yo, um so Potter's Maggot newspaper has a, story, has a story about like like my dad is an alien. Like it turns out that his paper is that is like, the Inquirer, which is a funny, um, which is a funny thing. As uh, I know, they steal it. It's they steal it and run over to Granny, and they get the paper and there's some shaggins with the paper as a reveal of. I don't know how they jump this conclusion, <clears throat> but like. Wait a minute! The, the, this paper came from the desk of uh, of Potter. Well, it came from the desk of Potter. Henceforth, that's where the money is. I didn't quite get that connection entirely, but okay, fine. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I, I sort of got it, but yeah, no, it's it's. Yeah, uh, yeah, Jesus, yeah, yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, this is where the they they, they go in there and he plays the whole. No, I, I, where was it? I can explain it and. <laughs> The disappearing dodo gag culminates in the dodo bringing the money out of the desk, which is at least interesting. As Potter just admits that he's insane. <laughs> I can explain her. I got the tree and the table and this and that. I'm a crazy old man. Yeah. And they take him away. And, you know, it, it, it's... it's it's funny. I mean, he doesn't get the full. I mean, he gets comeuppance, but it wasn't a funny comeuppance. But it works. Not really, no. But you um, know. but you know, eventually, he's like, "Listen, Granny, why don't you go over to my friend George Bailey's house?" And I swear to God, yeah. it wasn't until this moment where I'm like, "Oh yeah, Jimmy Stewart didn't show up in this." Okay, are, are we gonna finally no. have someone do? Now's a, our chance. Do a damn Jimmy Stewart impression? Like, oh, it's this big. Feast, like okay, or maybe some fun shenanigans. Where, like yeah. Sylvester is yeah. at the table. They're being invited to the finale of It's a Wonderful Life. They're getting invited to the end of that movie. It would be great to see Sylvester and Tweety running around in the background as the end of that movie happens. And no, just, yet we don't get that. No, instead it's just more shenanigans in the office as. Kubi and Birdie team up with Tweety and beat up Sylvester some more. And um, that's it. <laughs> then we just kind of ended there. You know, with Tweety going, hey, look at that. Every time, I, every time a bell rings, Angel gets his wings. And then Sylvester's line is, look at that! Wings! Yeah. That's it. And it's like... Yeah. No, no offense, you but... You even uh, get a Jimmy Stewart impression. But, what are you even uh, doing better, here, A folks? better version of that could, could probably be like, you know, <laughs> Sylvester falls down and hits his head on a bell, leading to the child to say, teacher says every time a bell rings, he gets his wings, or, or something stupid yeah. like that. But, uh, but no. Yeah, come on. Last one. 
This one made me laugh very hard. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of very fun gags. I feel like at times it didn't completely fulfill the concept of both Hubie and Birdie in a Tweeting Sylvester cartoon and or Granny in It's a Wonderful Life. But it did a lot very well, wrapped up pretty sweetly. Her fans of the film had a lot of nice um, references and, and fun things going on there. Not perfect and leaves a bit to be desired, but still very funny. It's a more chill and laid back episode uh, compared to the frantic energy of, of the previous one. But on its own terms, it's still a, a funny episode that's, again, it, it's better if you've seen It's Wonderful Life, which, like, who hasn't? Um, and, yeah, I was I was surprised we didn't get a Jimmy Stewart gag, like, maybe because it would have been too obvious, maybe, but, but Jimmy Stewart's funny. Like, honestly, I, I, was, I was expecting, yeah. I was expecting... The the dodo bird that just gives Willie the paper and just goes no 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 here you go Willie <laughs> yeah something like turns out turns out the dodo bird dodo is bird Jimmy is Jimmy Stewart yeah I don't know this is something silly like that I would have loved that I mean the one thing I would guess which I'm just verifying right now no not James Spader <laughs> oh di- James Stewart oh did Jesus oh well like no he wasn't dead for another couple of years oh okay he he was done acting but he wasn't like like, done. But yeah, no, I'm perfectly fine if a bit flawed. I'm actually going to be a little harsher and give it 3.5, but I still liked it. I'm giving it uh, 4 out of 5 animals. Yeah. On a bit of a curve, but... Um, yeah, no. Solid stuff all around. Alright, so before we uh, we dive into what next week's movie episode is... First, I'd thank our patrons over at patreon.com backslash TNQAF. We'd especially like to thank James Irish, Triscrew, Andrew, and Samuel A.R. Adams, the person, not the drink. Thank you so much for your charitable donation. <laughs> yes, thank you. We appreciate it. And, Jordan? Yeah, um... So, uh, remember last week when we talked about that we had a poll that was going to be going up so you guys could get to choose which Porky Pig cartoon would be voted into a future episode of this show. Uh, the poll should still be up. Um, we, we should, or the poll should be up now, actually. Uh, we've narrowed down the, uh, the suggestions to a couple of choices, and you'll be able to choose between those to see which one gets voted into the episode. Should be up for a good couple of days, right? No, it's going to be up for the one day. Yeah, one day. But make sure you're on that because there's probably a lot of very good Porky Pig cartoons to choose from. But yeah, and that'll be a future episode um, that you guys will hopefully really like. So, yeah. So what are we doing next week? Well, next week, it's a movie episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you notice, Joe, we covered... It's a multiple of ten, yeah. Yeah, it's a multiple of ten. You've reached it. And... um. Yo, know, it's so funny. I feel like twice we were like, this is the most recent Looney Tunes film. And then, like, another Looney Tunes movie comes another out. One. Like, oh, shit, okay. Yeah. They, they won't let us stop. <laughs> Anyways. Thank God. It's a, big, it's a good problem to have, actually, yeah. So, for next week's episode, we're covering the very recent, I'd say about, like, it's been only a year and a half, two years old by this point. Yeah. Um... The direct-to-streaming-slash-video film, King Tweety. 
It's a Tweedy and Sylvester uh, film made mostly for kids. Uh, we're going to see if there's anything at all that we can get out of it. It looks very much like, oh, yeah, it's 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 gag mentality for kids. I don't know if they're it, like unlike Sylvester and Tweedy Mysteries. I don't know if there's a lot for older viewers, but we'll, we'll find out. I've heard that I think Awuga is in it and I had enough problems with her last time. Um, fucking hell. But, you know, we'll we'll have things to dissect with it and we'll we'll, we'll give it the full experience that's interesting stuff you know like how this was apparently a movie demanded by wb like one Bros wanted a tweety film out there because tweety celebrated his 80th birthday so yeah that's that's coming up next and again i i neither of us have that mark did you end up watching that at all no I, i've only seen the trailers and no. my reaction yeah, to the trailers same. is if Feels like it's a Looney Tunes production incorporating the comedy of a 2010s Cartoon Network series. And nothing against 2010s yeah. Cartoon Network. I, I really enjoyed regular show. You know, and there are some shows in that era that I love. But it doesn't always have to fit with the Looney Tunes. Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of like when we did High Flying Adventure. And one of the plans we had, we had was there they were doing, like what was it? The, they're doing some sort of jokes in High Flying Adventure that was like, these are good, but they're not Looney Tune good or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's been a while. And and again, this is probably going to like be shaping a lot of my opinions on it. But of the two direct to TV to DVD, uh, slightly Cartoon Networky uh, Looney films, I think the one I'm more excited to watch is Taz Quest for Burger. But this one should, should probably be fine, too. Yeah, so stay tuned for that next week, where we discuss Tweety's adventures of becoming a king. Alright, that's the end of this week's episode. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at Mark Hallam, 1995. And you can follow me at Tall Guy Schmidt. If you like to keep up with the podcast, or give your vote for a future Porky Pig episode... You can follow at that underscore loony, both on Twitter and Instagram. Just type in the podcast title. We're probably the first result. And you can keep up with us. Uh, we are on all streaming services in the in that neck of the woods, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Player FM, Anchor, Stitcher, Amazon Music. Uh, we, are, we have a YouTube channel. We are uh, putting out content for maybe every two weeks or so. Uh, we are beginning to experiment with uh, video content as well, but we've been keeping our cameras on in uh, while we record. So expect maybe a slow trickle of some of those in the near future. We have got some big ideas for that. Also, subscribe to our Patreon from anywhere from $1 to $5. You can uh, support our efforts to give amazing loony related uh, efforts um, and we have several perks for you guys if you sign up including exclusive including early access to episodes exclusive commentaries that you can vote on uh, the replay of live streams that we do every other month and plenty of other ways of influencing us and our endeavors for the future so uh, you can find us at patreon.com slash tnqaf and uh, join the party all right so until next week i'm mark and i'm jordan and you know now i'm not going to be able to watch it's a wonderful life without thinking about how fucked up uh, mr potter is good night and um keep any callers away from his vicinity <laughs>